I want you to go with me to the book of James, chapter 1. Um, it's got a message I feel like the Holy Spirit gave me tonight or this afternoon, just something to just challenge you with. And um, James chapter 1, verse 2, many of you know this verse by heart. It's been preached, I don't know how many times, but James chapter 1. And the title of my message tonight is The Other Side. And, and I want to talk to you about the other side of your trial, your challenge, maybe your suffering or your battle. And, and I want you tonight to begin to see what's on the other side. Sometimes when you're facing something, it's, you can only see what's in front of you. When you're fighting, I used to wrestle in high school. When you're wrestling, you're so connected and you're so tied together with, what you, with your opponent that you can't really see what's going on around you. And in your Christian walk, many times you're wrestling and you're fighting something and you're battling and you're trying to press through and you can't always see what's on the other side. In fact, I believe most Christians give up because they can't see what's on the other side. And so tonight I want to help you see what's on the other side of whatever it is that's in front of you. James chapter 1 verse 2 to 4 from the message translation. I like the way it said this. It says to consider it a sheer gift, friends, when test and challenges come at you from all sides, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced out into the open and shows its true color. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. So, so listen to what he's saying. Consider it a gift. Like I got a big old package called suffering and I'm coming and I'm saying, here you go. Consider this a gift, right? It's kind of awkward. It's kind of hard to understand. It doesn't make sense to our natural minds because we're supposed to be upset and we're supposed to feel bad when bad things happen. Right. But but James is saying to consider it a sheer gift when tests and challenges come at you. Watch this from all sides. You ever have some just come at you from all sides? You ever have one of those days where you wake up and before nine o'clock you wish you'd have never woke up? Like, can I can I get it like a coma induced or something and just stay for a while until this thing passes over? I mean, it's hitting you from every direction. I hate days like that. Because it comes from every direction. And, you, and I'll never forget, Doug and I were hanging a sign one year. And this was back when I was still in the, in the construction. And I was on a ladder. And I was just having problems at work, problems with church, problems with this. And I'm up on this ladder and my phone's just blowing up. And I'm going, that's a problem. I put my phone back and that's another problem. And that's a problem. I finally took my phone and just chunked it. You remember that, Doug? I was just like, boom. And they were like, it's like I'm done with that. Sometimes trials come at us from every side. I love what he says next. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced out into the open. So get a picture of this. When struggles, when trials, when bad things begin to happen to you, you got to hear this. It forces your faith to come out. You see, when you, you're sitting back and you're singing on the porch and you're singing and you're sipping on sweet tea and you say, oh, sweet Jesus is mine and everybody likes you and there's no problems in your life, your faith is dormant. Your faith is not needed in that moment. It's not until 
everything breaks loose against you, that your faith has to kick in. But we don't want to be there, right? We want to be on the porch sipping on the sweet tea, singing hymns, right? But he says that your faith is forced out into the open. So get a picture of this. So when I go through a trial, when I go through a struggle, when something bad happens in my life, it's an opportunity for me to to almost go, here comes my faith. Now I get to see its true colors. You see in this? Sometimes for us it looks like, oh, wow, I got more faith than I thought. Sometimes it looks like, "Uh uh-oh, that's all I got. So you see in this, when, when the troubles come and the pressure's building around you, it's not a moment to stop. It's not a moment to cry and whine and fuss. It's a moment to press into God and let, and let him press the faith out of you so that you can see what's in you. You see, the reason I love to hang out with people is because when they go through things, you get to see what comes out of them. Right? I mean, go do a carpentry job with somebody and let somebody smash their thumb with the hammer. You go see what comes out of them. <laughs> I was with a guy one time and he hit himself. And I was impressed. He didn't cuss. He just prayed in tongues. <laughs> I was like, did that work? He goes, yeah, it did. Anyway. Your faith is forced out into the open and shows its true colors. When's the last time you saw your faith? When's the last time you got in such a situation that your faith got pressed out? Kind of like the toothpaste, it gets squeezed out, just pushed out into the open, and then it gets to show its true colors. So then he says, don't try to get out of anything prematurely. I like that word prematurely. We've had like uh, three babies born in the last probably uh, eight months. And, and they've all been premature. And, and, and when it, they're premature, there's always some complications. Uh, Parker Kelly's in the NICU right now. He should be getting out any day now because he's, he was born a little bit premature. And so he's, he actually learned something pretty crazy. He has what the doctors call lazy white boy. Anybody ever heard of that? You, you've heard of that? Isaac? He ain't lazy no more, though. <laughs> But no, seriously, they said lazy. He's a lazy white boy. And and Drake was like, what you called my son? (laughs) And it's when they don't want to eat. And so there's complications when something happens prematurely. You see, when you go to other people besides God and you you get a bailout from somebody else, instead of going all the way through your trial, you exit out prematurely. And there's complications. Chances are you're going to face that again. Because God wants you to go all the way through. Is this making sense? All the way through. Don't bail out. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't surrender. Keep pressing in. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Wow. I think we all want to be mature and developed, right? And none of us want to be deficient, right? So let it do its work. So why is it so hard to wait until we reach the other side? 
What's, what's the struggle? Come on, we're, we're people of faith. I teach enough of the word and I preach enough of the word that, that we should have faith to some degree, to some measure. And you're growing enough on your own that there should be some faith there. So why is it that when trials and troubles come, we still have that tendency to want to quit? Why is it so hard just to say, you know what, it's coming, I'm pressing through? It's difficult. I think sometimes we struggle because maybe we haven't seen what the other side of our trial looks like. So my point number one is this. Trials are good for us. That just sounds weird, don't it? Trials are good for us. If you'll notice in this book of James, James is talking to the 12 tribes. This was a basic letter for all believers to read. And it was it was meant to be passed around for everybody to hear it. So it means that every one of us are going to face trials. Every one of us are going to struggle. Every one of us are going to have things that hurt us. Every one of us are going to have relational issues. People are going to die in our lives. Things are going to go missing. Some things are going to be stolen. It's going to be a not so easy life, right? But James has the audacity to say, count it as a gift when that comes. I lost my mama at 45. Count it a gift. You know, that's still hard to swallow. Count it a gift. She's not here to see my kids play the piano, which she, what she made me do. And I didn't like it, but she made me do it. And now Virginia's got the gene and she's not here to see that. And count it joy. I tell you, sometimes it's hard to count it joy. But bad things happen to God's people. And you got to hear this. It's not always because of sin. You want to know the voice I hear whenever something bad happens in my life? The first thing that pops up. Oh, well, if you wouldn't have done this. And if you wouldn't have done that, your battery wouldn't have went dead. I'm like, come on, man. But if I don't take that thought captive and bring it to the obedience of Christ and tell the devil to shut up, right? I might start entertaining that thought. And before you know it, I'm getting defeated and depressed and conquered. And I'm going, guess I should have. If you'd read your Bible this morning. Oh, Jesus, I just I just missed one day and my tire goes flat. I mean, come on. You ever hear that? Every time you make a mistake, oh, if you wouldn't have done this and oh, if you wouldn't have done that. Trials are outside outward circumstances like conflict, suffering and trouble. All of us are going to encounter them. They're not pleasant and they can be extremely grievous. Trials and tests are tools to help us see where our faith is. When these things come. I get to go, this is where my faith is. It's almost like every, every now and then God wants to go, okay, let's look at your faith. And he allows something to happen to you. Now, I'm not going to sit here and debate if God sends it or if he allows it or what happens. I just know it happens. It doesn't really matter where it comes from, but somehow or another God allowed it to happen to me. And it happened. And when it happens, I got two choices. I can be bummed out and depressed about it. Or I can press in and see what's going to happen to me on the other side. Right? 
But no matter what happens in the process, I get to see where my faith is. If I quit early, I go, I didn't have much faith. If I bail out, well, I didn't have much faith. If I barely make it to the other side, well, I had just enough to get me there. Right? And listen, that's been most of my life. I got just enough to get me there. It's like just enough gas to make it to the gas station. Anybody push it like I do? Literally. (laughs) The Bible says that they're there to refine us and to purify our faith. They produce patience and endurance. God takes what's meant to stop us and uses it to move us forward. You know, struggles are there to make you quit, right? You know, when the enemy throws something at you, it's there to make you quit. It's there to make you give up. Get a little bump in your marriage. Oh, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. I've been putting up with this woman for so long. I'm done. Number two, trials show us how big God is. Go with me to Mark chapter 4. I'm going to show you something about the other side of the trial. Mark chapter 4. You know the story of the wind and the waves, right? Many of you know that story. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35. Incredible story. When you really sit there and study it, it says, As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. It was about an eight-mile journey in this lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the water, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other, even the wind and the waves obey him. I find it pretty interesting that Jesus tells them to get into the boat and let's go to the other side. He was trying to get away from the crowd. But yet there were still some boats that followed. So you got you to get this picture. They're in a lake. It's going to take about eight miles to get across this lake. And, and, and I, I did a little bit of study. And the lake is, is like 700 feet below sea level. And it's surrounded by mountains. And still to this day, that lake in an instant can just brew up a storm because of the way everything's positioned around it. That'll sink boats. And it's very, it's very dangerous to boat in the late afternoons on this lake, even today. So Jesus, in the afternoon, tells the disciples, let's go to the other side. He gets comfortable on a cushion, starts snoring. The storm rages. Now, mind you, there's at least four professional fishermen in the boat, right? You would think they've seen this before. You would think they're not surprised by this. But the Bible says that they came to Jesus shouting, (laughs) When the fishermen get nervous, you need to get nervous. Come on, somebody. If the professionals are getting nervous, you better watch out. So watch what they they say to Jesus. This is important. 
teacher is what they called him first off. Teacher, don't you care? Teacher, don't you care? When something happens to us, one of the initial things that I get most of the time is, man, where are you at? Don't you care? Don't you care? Come on, somebody. When you go through something, doesn't it feel like, man, where's God? Where are you? I think that's why David wrote in the Psalms just as raw as he could. You've abandoned me. You've left me hanging. My enemies have defeated me. Teacher, don't you care? But man, it feels that way sometimes, doesn't it? Let's just be real. Doesn't it feel that way sometimes? When you get a diagnosis, when there's a, a, a break in a relationship, when something happens to you physically or emotionally, doesn't it feel that way sometimes that, man, you don't care? Why I got to go through this? Why me? Teacher, don't you care? First problem was is they, would, they only knew him as teacher. They didn't know him as Jesus. You see, when you're with somebody and they go through something and you see what comes out of them, you see also what they believe. When the storm rose up, they went to the teacher because they had not yet known him as the miracle worker. Come on, somebody. They only knew him as teacher. Teacher, don't you care (laughs) that we're going to drown? They thought the worst. Isn't that how it is when trials come? Let your money get funny. All of a sudden, you're broke, you're busted. There's There's no hope in sight. Everything's doom and gloom. The boat is sinking, and you're sitting there. Teacher, don't you care? We're going to drown financially. I'm going to drown emotionally. I'm, I'm drowning over here. Don't you care? It says when Jesus woke up, he took care of the wind and he took care of the water. And suddenly it stopped. Now, keep in mind, not only were the disciples getting blown away in this moment, but there was other boats following them at the same time. They were in the same storm. You see in this, there's people that are watching your life, people that are following you more than just on Facebook. They're following your spiritual life. They're watching you when you go through trials. They're watching you when, when stuff starts to break down in your life. They're watching you when you, you're tempted to get emotional. They're watching you when you used to be a hothead, but now they're watching you to see if you're going to blow up again. They're watching you. They may be going through the same storm, but they're watching you to see how you're going to react. There's people following you. Even when it doesn't feel like it, there's people following you. And they're paying attention to you. The day you surrendered your life and you gave it to Jesus, you then had a crowd. The day you declared to all of your friends, I believe in Jesus now. You now have people watching you and following you. And they want to see how you're going to react They want to see what you're going to do. Jesus responds to the disciples. He goes and he asks them two questions. Why are you afraid? (laughs) 
thinking, man, the boat's sinking, bro. I mean, why am I not, what you mean? Why am I afraid? The, the boat said we're about to drown. The professionals are nervous. I mean, come on. It was real. Right? Why are you afraid? And then he says this. Do you still have no faith? Sounds like Jesus was being impatient with their faith. He's like, you still don't have faith. You see, they were going through something and their faith got forced out and it showed its true colors by the way they reacted. You got to see this. How you react is when your faith comes out and it shows itself to everybody else. Right? Their faith was forced out. Jesus had the opportunity to not only calm a storm and a wind. That was nothing. He had the opportunity to see their faith and to see where they were spiritually. They also had an opportunity to see where their faith was. And Jesus said, do you still have no faith? So watch what happens on the other side of this. The Bible says in 41, it says the disciples were absolutely terrified. Okay, they were they were afraid about the storm. Now that Jesus did the miracle, they're terrified because of what he did. Do you see this? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? Well, a minute ago, he was teacher. Right. Now, teacher's not good anymore. They, they just went from knowing Jesus as teacher to now asking the question, who is he? What just happened? What was that? Are you, are you seeing this? They could have bailed out in the beginning and never discovered who Jesus was. They could have jumped out of the boat. They could have done some other things, but they, they hung in there and they, they did the right thing. They, they cried out to Jesus and because they stayed in a boat and they stayed in the storm and they cried out to Jesus, they got to see his power. They got to see his abilities. They got to see how much he really cared for them. So much so that he stopped the natural circumstances of the earth to change their situation. But they only knew him as teacher. I mean, like a minute ago, he was teacher. Well, now he's like somewhere between teacher and like, what the heck? (laughs) Are you seeing this? Have have you ever gone through something where God just kind of like showed up and he just did something like that? And you went, really? How'd you feel? What was going through your emotions? When that happens to me, I get broken down. I go, man, God. Number one, I'm, I'm kind of surprised it was that fast. <laughs> You're like, Lord, that was, wow. And then all of a sudden, this awe comes over me. And I go, you can do that too? You see it? You mean you can... You can do more than just save me? You mean you can heal me? You mean you can restore my marriage? You mean you can heal my emotions? You mean you can give me the very thing that I haven't been getting? You can do this? Like for real? 
You can. You see, when you stick in the trial and you stick in the struggle and you press on through to the other side, you get to see a whole nother dimension of who God is. And you look back at that circumstance and you go, Wow. Wow. He just did that. There's something about the other side that that we're missing. When we quit, we never see the other side. When we bail out, we never see the other side. Even the wind and the and the waves obey him. You know, the only way to know how much power something has is to test it. I shared a story with you about a time I, I went and bought a, a Ford F-250 and it had a chip in it and I was test driving it and it was used and I wanted to see what it had. So I hooked on to a trailer full of concrete and the guy told me I could test it. So I tested it. I want to make sure it had power. So I hooked on to this big old trailer load of broken up concrete and I mashed it. Squealed the tires all the way down the road. I wanted to see what it had. It had to be tested. He told me it was powerful. And we get told all the time that God is powerful. But until we actually test it, until we actually go through a trial or resistance, then and only then do we know how powerful he is. Right? So why be afraid to go through the test and the trial to see how powerful God is. He loves you. Right? But you see, the trick of the enemy is is to come in on the front side and convince you you did something wrong. And to tell you that this is punishment from God. Let me just remind you that conviction always comes before punishment and judgment. God whispers to us about what needs to change before he ever shouts it from a rooftop. And you need to know this and you need to have some security in this that if I'm not hearing the Holy Spirit tell me that I'm doing something wrong and I'm asking and I'm listening and bad things happen, then it's not my fault. Is that okay? To just say that's not my fault? Is it okay if something bad happens and you had nothing to do with it? That's what he wants to do on the front side. Then he wants to convince you that you've done something wrong, make you feel condemned, push you down so that you never make it through the trial. God allowed it to come into your life because he wants to force your faith out to test it, to make it true, to see how its true colors are. Y'all getting this? But if we bail out, we never get to see it. Never get to see it. There's always a crowd following you. It wasn't just the disciples that learned that day. It was the other boats that were following also. So the storm happened. It came. It blew through. It almost sunk the boat. Jesus stands up, rebukes it, stops it all. And the disciples start asking questions. You know, you should be asking questions about God. You should be saying, did he really just do that? Like, this is God? Like, you mean 
He heard my prayer? Who, who is this God? I think that's a good place to be because you're in awe of who he is. But sometimes we quit before we get to awe, right? Sometimes we give up before we get to awe. So I don't know what the conversation was from there to the other side. (laughs) I imagine it might have been pretty quiet. But they do get to the other side. And what's crazy is they get to the other side and the adventure wasn't over. It it just began. Right? What happens at the other side? They run into Mr. Demoniac. Right? The dude that sleeps in the tombs. He's buck naked and he beats himself. And he screams all night long. And he's, you know what I'm saying. Beats himself with chains. And he's, he's hurting himself. And he's full of demons, the Bible says. That's who they run into when they get to the other side. Jesus gets out of the boat. The guy comes running, begging Jesus. It actually says that he falls down and worships Jesus. And then all of a sudden the demons start to manifest. Please don't take us out now. Send us into the pigs, which gave the pigs a bad rap. Right? Like a bad rap, like wrapped with bacon. (laughs) Y'all didn't get that? Anyway. Uh, so two or three thousand pigs die that day and nobody gets to eat them it's a sin it's a tragedy then the people come down and they run Jesus off listen to me the disciples started off with Jesus in the boat as a teacher and then all of a sudden he went to environment changer then now he's going into demon caster outer (laughs) that's my own word shut up You see in this? So watch this. If they bail out the boat, they don't make it to the next obstacle or the next experience. You see in this? So in Christianity today, too many of us, things get tight, things get tough, and we quit. Nah, I can't do this. And God goes, okay, I'll be waiting for you. And then we come back around. And we go, what, to the same thing again. And we go, "Ah, uh uh-uh. But when we finally do press on through to the other side, we get to see a whole different side of God or Jesus that we never saw before. We see a whole new perspective we realize there's more to him than we've ever known before. And then we continue into the journey until the next thing. When you read your Bible from the first page to the last page, God's always taking people to a next step. He's, all the way, he's always taking them to another part, another journey. The journey never stops. He's always taking them from one place to the another, one place to another. And that's the same thing he does with us today. He takes us from faith to faith, to faith, to faith. He's constantly allowing us or or pressing us for our faith to come out and be seen so that we can see where it's at. He can see where it's at. It's like a test. It's just like he he comes in and monitors our faith. Okay, it's a faith checkup. So when the trial comes, it's a faith checkup. 
So what did the disciples get right? Because sometimes we give them such a bad rap, they don't do anything right. They did some things right. The first thing they did right is they ran to Jesus and watched him change their situation. That's incredible. They learned that day. They stayed in the boat. They did that right. They didn't give up. They didn't bail out. They didn't jump. They pondered what had just happened. And they grew from that experience and was ready for the next one. See, you got to, sometimes you got to appreciate what you've gone through. Come on, somebody. Sometimes you got to go, you know what? I might have barely made it through there, but I made it. I, I graduated high school by the skin of my teeth. You know what? I celebrated just as hard as everybody else did because I don't care how you got out. I got out. Sometimes you make you barely make it through a trial. Well, you know what you need to tell you? Give yourself a little credit. I made it. I pressed through. It happened. I learned. I didn't quit. Right? You need to appreciate where you're growing. The next experience was ready for them after the previous one they had just come through. I think it's pretty fascinating. They go from a weather trial. Some of you have been through some weather trials. I was talking to my old business partner uh, Sunday night, and he said, you know, I counted up the other day how many once-in-a-lifetime experiences I've been through since I've been in business. He said, since you and I have started this business, we've been through four once-in-a-lifetime events. And they were all weather-related. He's like, so when does these things run out? <laughs> They went from a weather trial to a demonic trial. And they learned and grew the whole way through. Last point. This trial, the one that you're going through right now, you got you to hear this. This thing that you're going through right now is preparing you for the next one. So, so if you're still afraid to go through it, if you're still scared, it doesn't matter. You need to know I'm getting ready for the next one. And I'm trying to get you to understand that, that if you don't, it's kind of like school. If you don't get basic math now, help me out, Courtney, you're going to struggle the rest of the way. If you don't get language in the beginning, you're going to struggle the rest of the way, right? This trial you're going through right now, like today, I want you to... To kick it in the face. I want you to go, you know what? I'm pressing through this thing. I went to church feeling like I was going to quit. I was ready to give up. I'm going to press through it. I'm going to watch God deliver me. I'm going to watch God do something supernatural. I'm going to see a different side of him than I've ever seen before. I'm going to press through it because it's getting me ready for the next one. Because listen to me, there's always a next one. There's always a next one. Romans 1.17 says this. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Underline and circle the word shall. (laughs) So the righteousness of God is revealed. Watch this, what I just said, from faith to faith. People are watching you. People are seeing God show up in your life every time you take a faith step. Every time you make it through one trial and you start the next one, people are watching. They're taking notes. They may not act like it. They may ridicule you. They may talk bad about you. But when they put their head on the pillow at night, they're thinking about what you're doing and they're not. 
because you now look different than the rest of their friends. Right? His righteousness is revealed from faith to faith. And the Bible says the just shall live by faith. This is for all of you who love to live in the land of peace with no trials. This one's going to get you out of that place. The word shall is defined as will have to or will be able to. So let's plug that in. The just will have to live by faith. Or the just will be able to live by faith. Who determines how you go through it? We do. Is that trial coming at you? I got I to gotta go by faith. Man, what's your perspective? What you feeling? What's going on in here and your emotions? What's going on in your mind? Because listen to me, that's all part of the test. Your words. <laughs> How you doing? It ain't good. It just ain't good. Everything's being tested. Power of the tongue lies life and death. What are you speaking to your trial? Do you have to? Or do you see it as a sheer gift from God where you go, we're able to walk by faith? And can I tell you, that's the turning point in the whole thing. How do you get to see the other side when your attitude goes from I have to walk by faith to I'm able to walk by faith? That helps you to see your trial as a gift. And you get to you get to where you start thinking, you know what? I don't like going through this. But I'm glad I get to go through this. You know why? Because I'm going to be better afterwards. I'm going to grow through it. Not just go through it, but grow through it. That's the attitude change. One says, I get to go through it. The other one says, I 